0: We meet today in Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 1 to verse 16. We are looking at the waking sleep, the sorrowing, search for the beloved, and the beauty of the beloved. In this chapter, there seems to be a certain amount of conflict in the mind of the bride about whether they should spend time in fellowship and communion or in going out to discharge their responsibilities. Both are essential. Now, we also need to be doing both. We need to sit at the feet of Jesus Christ, but we also need to follow those feet as they go out the hillsides looking for the lost sheep. We need to follow those feet out into the world, which is a field in which to plant the seed of the word of God. And so that is also the picture we see with this girl. She wonders. Is it not better that we stay at home, while we stay sleeping, and just make love? But what, what do you do with the other responsibilities that needs to be done? Song of Songs 5 verse 1 I have come to my garden, my sister, my spouse. I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I have drunk my wine with milk. Eat, all friends. Drink, yes, drink deeply, all beloved ones. I have come to my garden, my sister, my spouse. I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb with my honey. I have drunk my wine with milk. Eat, all friends. Drink, yes, drink deeply, all beloved ones. Song of Songs 5 verse 1. This verse speaks beautifully of the consummation of the marriage and the mutual satisfaction enjoyed by both husband and wife. Solomon found his bride delightful, sweet, and enjoyable when she invited him to herself in chapter 4, verse 16. The latter part of this verse has been understood actually in several different ways as to the speaker. Some see a reference to the friends or a chorus and others to Solomon. However, it seems unlikely that friends, no matter how close to the wedding couple, would have been present in the bedroom on the wedding night. Furthermore, the words do not seem appropriately ascribed to Solomon. It seems more likely that the speaker is God himself, who though never mentioned directly in this book, blesses the entire song with his quiet and approving presence. Only the sovereign creator would be a welcome guest to this special event, and the words voiced expresses his pleasure in sexual union and the joy such intimacy engenders for a man and a woman within a holy marriage. Now, the waking sleep. We come to the fourth canticle, or the fourth song. These are like folk songs. It is the bride who speaks. Here is Song of Songs, chapter 5, verse 2 to verse 5. I sleep, but my heart is awake. It is the voice of my beloved. He knocks, saying, Open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. I have taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? I have washed my feet. How can I defile them? My beloved put his hand by the latch of the door, and my heart yearned for him. I rose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh. On the handles of the lock. This is a wonderful passage of scripture. And it says something that is important for us to note. Particularly, growth in love. Knowledge and understanding is essential for a satisfying marriage. That is a lesson we need to learn. Through another dream here, we see the Shulamite details a conflict within their relationship. In fact, we are seeing indifference or apathy in the context here, in the pain of separation as a result of selfishness, brokenness over the results, a rekindling of affection. Actually, verse 10 to verse 16 will deal with that. And the change of heart, which eventually leads to reconciliation. That reconciliation will be seen in chapter 6. But let us take note of verse 5. It says, I arose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the lock. Now the background for this was a lovely custom that they had in that day. When a man was in love with a girl and wanted to express his love, he would go to her home and instead of leaving a calling card, he would leave a fragrance. The door was so constructed as to, leave an opening so that one could reach through to the inside and remove the bar unless it was locked as well as barred, which was the case in this occasion. When there was no response from the sleeping bride, the bridegroom placed me on the inside handle of the door to let her know that he had been there. Then she finally came to open the door, The wonderful fragrance was transferred to her fingers. He had left the sweetness of his presence. Well, the bride, my friend, is a picture of the church today. The church doesn't go very far from home, do you know? Very few of us get from under the shadow of the church steeple. We just stay there. Most people don't even get off the church steps. As a result... They have lost fellowship with the Lord of the church, Jesus Christ. Actually, that is one of those little foxes which destroy the grapes. We lose our fellowship when we step out of the will of God. That is what is meant by the quenching of the Spirit in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 19. It is quenching the Spirit to refuse to go where He wants us to go or to do what He wants us to do. Now, I think that if we today would get up from our beds and begin to move out and start doing something for God, we would find the sweetness of his presence on the handles of our own bed chambers. We would experience the sweetness of his fellowship because fellowship with the Lord Jesus becomes sweeter and sweeter as we are serving him. So this is the briefest of the songs But what a little gem it is, the sorrowing search for the beloved. We come to the fifth song now. In this love song, King Solomon has brought his humble Shulamite girl from the hill country of Ephraim to the palace in Jerusalem. In these songs, the bride reveals how impressed she is by everything there, the palace, the throne, and the banquet table of the king. Her song includes her worship and adoration of the king. But when he came to rouse her, to come with him, as he was out doing his work as a shepherd, looking for sheep that were lost, she didn't want to get out of bed. When she finally did go to the door, he was gone. She opened the door and called to him. Then she went out to look for him listen to how the story goes i opened for my beloved but my beloved had turned away and was gone my heart leaped up when he spoke i sought him but i could not find him i called him but he gave me no answer song of songs five verse six i opened for my beloved but my beloved had turned away and was gone my heart leaped up when he spoke i sought him But I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. Song of Songs 5 verse 6 You see, the fellowship had been broken here. The bride here has lost her fellowship. And I tell you, my friend, if you are not doing something for the Lord, you haven't lost your salvation, but you surely are missing the sweet fellowship with the Lord of Lords. The watchmen who went about the city found me. They struck me. They wounded me. The keepers of the war took my veil away from me. Song of Songs 5 verse 7. Now this girl is having a difficult time. She is being hurt by those who should have been protecting her. Then when this girl, the bride, meets the daughters of Jerusalem, here we find the antiphonal singing. The bride sings one part and the daughters of Jerusalem sing an answering part. This sounds very much like an opera. The bride says, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that you tell him I am love sick." Song of Songs 5 verse 8. Basically, she's saying, if you find him, tell him how much I miss him. Tell him how much I love him, and let him know that I am looking for him. Her heart is sick, and her whole being is yearning after him. The garden has lost its fragrance. The myrrh and the fragrances don't mean much to her now, and the beauty of the flowers has withered. She now needs the presence of her beloved. Now in this antiphony, the daughters of Jerusalem answer, What is your beloved more than another beloved or fairest among women. What is your beloved more than another beloved that you so charge us? Song of Songs 5 this 9. What is your beloved more than another beloved or fairest among women? What is your beloved more than another beloved that you so charge us? Song of Songs 5 this 9. You see, their answer sounds rather sceptical. In effect, they are saying, This one that you say means so much to you. Why is he more to you than you might expect another to be to us? What is your beloved more than another beloved or fairest among women? In other words, he doesn't matter. He is not all that is important. There are other men who are important. Do we not meet the same kind of answers from people when we are excited about Jesus and sharing the good news of Jesus with gladness? They will answer us and say, who is this Jesus anyway? What makes you think that Jesus is different from anyone else? There have been other great religious leaders. Why do you think that Jesus is different from many of them? Why do you think that he is who he claims to be? Jesus was only a man. That is the kind of skepticism that we hear today. Well, in antiphonies of religion, great leaders are listed who are called founders of those religions Moses, Jesus, Mohammed, Gandhi, and all the rest. Now, according to Tertullian, the early church father, the Christians in their early church would rather have died than have Jesus put down on a plane with the heathen deities of the Roman Empire. They refused to even take a pinch of incense and place it before the image of Caesar. They wouldn't do it. Why? Because their beloved was different. He was God. And so when the world is saying, Who is this Jesus you talk about? He is different because he is God. He is not like all the others who have come before. He is God. The beauty of the beloved. Now the bride is going to answer as she meets those who are critical. She is going to respond to their skepticism. You would think that they had her cooled off and that she would tone down what she says about the bridegroom. That is not so. It didn't work that way. Actually, she now waxes eloquent concerning him. She speaks highly of him. Here is Song of Songs. Chapter 5, verse 10 to verse 16. Listen to the bride's defense and the boasting that she makes of her beloved. My beloved is white and ruddy, chief among ten thousand. His head is like the finest gold. His locks are worthy, and black as a raven. His eyes are like doves by the rivers of waters, washed with milk and fitly set. His cheeks are like a bed of spices, banks of scented herbs. His lips are lilies, dripping liquid myrrh. His hands are rows of gold, set with beryl. His body is carved ivory, inlaid with sapphires. His legs are pillars of marble, set on bases of fine gold. His countenance is like Lebanon. Excellent as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet. Yes, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. What a response from this woman, what a response from this lover, who would come against all the opposition and say, My beloved is the one who is outstanding above all else. My friend, this section is the only occasion in which the Shulamite praises the physical appearance of her lover. She describes him in minute detail. She delights in his appearance, moving downward in her description from top of his head to his legs. Do you know what that means? It means that she knew him. She knew him intimately. Overall, he is handsome in both appearance and character, outwardly and inwardly. It is especially wonderful that she can call him her lover and her friend. Such a valuable lesson should not go unnoticed if we would cultivate a marriage that is fulfilling and joyous. My friend, if you are going to defend the Lord Jesus Christ today, if you are going to witness for him, you must know him. Not only do you need to know who he is, but you need to know him enough to be able to wax eloquent on his behalf. When I say be eloquent, I don't necessarily mean eloquent in language. I mean full of enthusiasm, excitement, zeal, and love for his person. You and I need not only to know him, but we must love him. That is the challenge that we find here. The bride knew him. She knew him and she loved him. She says that he is the chiefest among 10,000. Christ is altogether lovely, my friend. Now the important question is this. Is he altogether lovely to you? Are you able to speak of him with the enthusiasm the bride had for her bridegroom? We must know Christ intimately. If we are to witness for him, we must love him. When one comes to Christ, it is not a business transaction. He is wonderful. And I don't think that we loud him, glory him, lift him, worship him, and bow before him with thanksgiving enough. I think we do it little. He is wonderful anyway that you look at him. We must be able to boast. We must be able to wax eloquent about This one whom we love so much, who loved us so much and not gave things for us, but he gave up himself for us. The ultimate giving. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please write to the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232. Kempton Park, 1620 South Africa. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me give you that address again. It's the Living Word for Africa, P.O. Box 4232, Kempton Park, 1620 South Africa.